all the tools that you need to take your next step in performance are usually in your hands. And sometimes we can be guilty of straying from doing excellent basics consistently over and over again. That was Killian Reardon. There's plenty more to come from Killian. But first, we'd like to draw your attention to the sponsor of this episode, The Learning Physiotherapist. The Learning Physiotherapist is an online platform that was launched by myself and David this year, where we've brought together some of the world's most renowned physiotherapists and sports medicine experts to give lessons on the soft skills that make all of the difference in the profession. Some of the experts include Amy Arendale, Stefania Rizzo, Dr. Ian Horsley, Nicole Van Dyke, Grant Downey, Benoit Matthew, to name but a few. Not only will you get access to masterclasses delivered by these mentors, but you'll also get the chance to join a community of like-minded, ambitious physiotherapists looking to learn, network and grow. And finally, the best part about The Learning Physiotherapist is that it's a non-profit organisation. Each monthly membership goes towards supporting cancer research, IBS, Down syndrome and mental health support services. The course has just kicked off in January of this year, but there's still time to join. So check us out at www.thelearningphysiotherapist.com. Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance. What we're striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high performing individuals tick, why they do what they do and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons and learnings. Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, episode number 107. Today we spoke with Killian Reardon, performance coach and consultant, formerly of Leinster Rugby and ex-pro boxer. Killian has vast experience in sports science and strength and conditioning. He's worked at Dublin GA and Leinster Rugby for many years, predominantly as a performance coach. He's focused most of his work on helping pro players reach their highest level of playing and competitive performance. He helps one manage this performance pathway and build habits that are practical and resonant. Killian is currently building a coaching platform for developing this space. In this episode, we hear about where Killian started, his interest in coaching and high performance, reflection, his exploits in the boxing ring, and his time spent with Dublin GA and Leinster Rugby. We hear about what Killian really feels is important, away from sports science and technology. We discuss leadership, strategy, purpose, how professional sport has evolved over the last decade, and what is next for performance in the sporting and business world. It was refreshing to hear Killian's take and how we can all get better, the value of soft skills, and we are very grateful he joined us on our show. Thanks, Killian. Killian Reardon, thanks so many for coming on today. Really looking forward to speaking to you. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me, both of you. Appreciate it. Yeah, Killian, look, we're really looking forward to you know hearing a little bit about your story and your and your journey. And nearly, we might as well start there. Where did you start on your whole career? I suppose, as it were, to now. I suppose there's a few chapters to it. One one thing that I definitely knew from young was I was really impressed by the people who were at the the sort of the sharp end of whatever they were doing so the sports is one of the things that appealed to me because I was sporty and and when I was very young I was actually good at sports that diminished as I started to go into my teens but um yeah that, it was something that always really appealed to me and I actually made a, a mistake on it really because I I graduated school out of school they went even certain 2005 um, right at the peak of everything and what guys from my school did was they went into finance and aimed to buy a BMW by the time they were 23 and that was what was being done at the time and that's what I did. I went to um, 
went to study best internally, nothing against Trinity, nothing against business degrees. It just wasn't for me. It was a really bad decision. I did that having known all the time that what I wanted to do was get into sports, get into sports coaching, get into performance. Um, and so I did that for a year, dropped out, wasted a year, came back, went to sports science in DCU. Great education in the scientific side of performance there for sure. And then from there, I was lucky in the last two years of that process, I managed to land in a year-long internship with Leinster in 2011. They won a European Cup that year. That was awesome to be around for. And um, The next year, on during my final year in college, I managed to land on the back room of Pat Gilroy's All-Ireland winning team, um, which again, what an unbelievable thing to be a part of. And that was my background, really. In, or that was my introduction to using that skill set in a high-performance sporting environment. And it just seemed like it was all winning all the time, right? So definitely looked at it through rose-tinted glasses at that time. Definitely didn't understand the ins and outs of it as well as I do now. Obviously, not that I understand it amazingly well now either. But that was my that was my sort of early education. Um, Quite a good start, Killian, in fairness to you. To the, all <laughs> Ireland. A couple of good teams there, you know. European Cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 was, it was good, but it wasn't necessarily the most realistic preparation or the most realistic idea to plant in a young guy's head of what high-performance coaching looks like, right? And that was probably a handbrake on me later on, I'd say. That's a great point that you're able to recognize now it was quite a successful start to your career what were the challenges then when maybe the years following didn't go or have the success of the the european winning year or the all-ireland winning year the challenge for me right i talked about this with somebody recently was that my interest in high performance generally was so for so long and so ingrained that you could trust that right that that was real Right, that's from from childhood, right? But my my early coaching years, you know, you don't take time to reflect when you're young and you're just celebrating stuff all the time. That's where that's probably where I ran into a bit of trouble. I didn't really strategize the bigger picture. I had no um long term, you know, where does this fit onto where I want to go ultimately. Um what does this mean in respect of how I take my next step on my pathway? What's the next chapter of learning? What's the next thing that I have to learn? What's the next thing that I have to experience in order to get where I want to go? Um, as opposed to living a dream was how it felt at the time. And the the problem with that then for me was lack of strategy or lack of vision around my own career, around taking what the next step is, around what working high performance actually meant to me and and how would I take control of my own journey, which is what it means to perform highly, right? That, that That's what it means to know what you are, what you want, where you're going, and to strategize the gap between those two. And I wasn't doing that. Um, I was just, let's say, doing my best to climb the hierarchies of whatever organizations I was in. And they were very kind to me. They were great to me. But... I didn't do as well for myself and for my own performance as I should have. Speaking of that, it's funny because working as a sports scientist, S&C, you're going to always strategize long term. You're always going to plan 
each intervention is part of the whole journey for a player, for a client, whoever you're working with. And it's funny, sometimes don't do we don't, yourself. me and David as physios don't often plan out our career. We plan out rehab sessions for our clients, but we've become more cognizant of that recently. What was it that changed and how do you do it now? Well, what changed for me was that that the system failed, basically. So, you know, it kind of got to a point where I was doing a lot of the cool stuff that I would have looked at as being, yeah, that's performing highly. So, you know, I had a I had a full-time job in Leinster as a sports scientist at the time. I was concurrently doing my PhD in UCD. I, at the same time, during the last year of that, I was um, in the process of turning professional boxing. I was like, these are all things that I look at as being, I'm performing highly. But, you know, I definitely wasn't getting the satisfaction out of that stuff that I thought I would get because I didn't really know what it was. Do you know, I didn't really know how that stuff mapped onto where I want to go. So you just have that sort of low-level anxiety all the time. It's like, is, am I doing the right thing? Am I taking the right steps? You know, and you could probably have less of that anxiety because you, you will figure out how to make those things the right steps. But it would just be so much better if I would have done for myself exactly what you just described, Kieran, for what you do for athletes. Like, that's what we do. Um, we map things long term and map things maybe on four year cycles for Olympians or World Cup cycles or whatever it is but the performance coaching area can get a little bit kind of swirly in that space and you sometimes can find yourself just doing the next thing to get ahead doing the next thing to get ahead and that's what I did um, it didn't work for me um, and you know the system failed and I had to kind of you know go back and, and, and refigure let's say and Killian, what, what obviously draws us to people to bring them onto this podcast is essentially what makes them tick, right? What makes that person high performing in their respective work, be that as an athlete or as a coach or anything like that. Now, you would have developed a lot of best practices and, and habits and pathways from your time. We can even see if we looked up your LinkedIn profile as an example. What would be the, the parallels or the takeaways you'd take from nearly a decade of working in those environments also say then with your boxing and also say your day-to-day like what are the common denominators the kind of non-negotiables as it were that you'd have in your day that sets you up well for success i'd say consistency and that actually that actually maps on to to what i was speaking to you about about you know for me the system failing so you know i could i could do my job i could do it well I could get, I could hit deadlines. I could get them over the line. I could complete the training and compete in boxing in the way that I had to, and it was pretty demanding. But there were definitely periods of time when I described it as boom and bust performance, right? Which is the opposite of consistency. So that, to me, is what high performance is: it's the delivery of excellent, consistent basics over and over and over again until you get to a level where very few other people are operating. Right. And the things that for me now where I'm at and what my perspective is based on what I've seen in the organizations that I've worked in, the experiences that I've had, is that the the consistency piece doesn't really come technology and stuff and like cool hacks and science. It really comes from understanding your pathway. It's like, who am I? 
What are my values? What do I want? Can I position that sort of fairly low resolution idea of where I'm going at the top of my pathway and then backfill the strategy, right? What am I going to do? What am I going to do every day action-wise to make that come? And if you're that, – that's consistency, right? So – and I think I think we can be guilty of hiding from that a little bit. It's like, well, what – let's say in the sports situation, it's like what – training aid or what training technology or what coach am I going to hire or you know fine those are marginal gains they're the top five percent so maybe you're at 95 percent of your maximum performance and that's where your next step is but the vast majority of the time I bet you that's not what you are and usually and certainly for me and a lot of guys that I've worked with all the tools that you need to take your next step in performance are usually in your hands. And sometimes we can be guilty of straying from doing excellent basics consistently over and over again and hiding from that by trying to find a cool hack that helps you to avoid the pain of delivering every day. Killian, like so much of that resonates with us. If you think of what we all have read about the late Kobe you know, he, he was never bored with the basics and like, it's not the shiny objects that make the difference. Love the way two of us here are just saying, love the way you reverse engineered nearly high performance and it's about the low resolution picture. So, so much there to take away um, listeners in the last couple of minutes, maybe pause, rewind and then and kick on, but kill and keep going. This is gold. Yeah. There's a little bit of knowledge in there. You have to find out what you have to do consistently, but I think much more often than not, that answer is not scientific. I think that's probably a gap in the way we educate sports performance coaches to some degree. You know, as I say, I've a great education from DCU, very proud of that, but it's completely scientific. And as I've moved through my career, the utility of science to keep generating improvements of performance diminishes over time, in my view. Once certain scientific basics are true if you're not fit enough to play your sport well it's a scientific issue and and that's going to matter but you know once you're fit enough to play your sport doing a load of aerobic extras to be seen to be working hard or just to be seen to be that guy is 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 a mistake and you see those guys like guys who are good professionals really care about their trajectory are doing their best but it's not strategic enough it's like well i'll just work harder than everyone else and and do more than everyone else and that will get me to the next level you know and it might but it's definitely not optimal it's definitely not optimal especially in a complex sport which is not about one thing so like if you're throwing a shot put or a discus right i'm not saying it's not complicated i'm not saying that you know, psychological factors and all the performance factors don't play. And I'm totally ignorant about throwing sports. But to me, it seems like, well, if I could, you know, squat 10 more kilos, that would make me stronger and that would translate to, to throwing, right? I'm oversimplifying. So throwers, please, please don't get in touch with this. <laughs> but, but I was having this conversation actually with one of my colleagues a few weeks back. And he's talking about a very clever strength coach that we both know. And the conclusion that I came to out of that was like, this guy is brilliant in terms of scientific knowledge and, you know, how he can extract an extra percentage out of this or an extra percentage out of that and make that guy perform that much better in that discrete variable, right? Uh, But my conclusion is, well, 
especially in this complex sport like rugby or like soccer, like any field sport, right? The overall increase in performance associated with inching that discrete variable slightly forward is probably lost in the margins of how he puts the whole thing together and and how he puts the whole thing together how he interacts with his team you know bigger performance variables let's say in the psychological side are going to play much much more especially once you're talking about guys who've been through a an academy system or development pathway and they have the basic physical attributes to play the game so so the again the ability of of advancing those things further to keep advancing overall performance starts to get smaller and smaller but helping that guy to understand his role in the team based on the cultural component of the team helping him to live that more every day helping that help using that to help him to elevate his motivation so he can deliver that consistency in those excellent basics the whole time. That is where I think most margins lie most of the time without dismissing the value of sports science and the scientific and technological interventions at all. They have to be in place for sure. And those, and if the basic elements of those things aren't in place, you will fail for sure. But flog, keep continuing to flog the things that you've done forever and just doing them more, better and harder than everyone else. That That's not a strategy. That's a really good point. And it ties in nicely with what I wanted to jump back to, which was a word you mentioned, uh, reflection. And it's something me and David are trying to implement in our own lives. It's trying to what we're doing with our clients and businesses. And we're trying to, build an understanding of what our values are and trying to get people to try and identify their own as well. It's not easy. And a lot of people quote different ways of doing it. Brant Menswar, who was on the podcast before, has a great book called Black Sheep, Uh um, which has a process for doing it. I'm just curious about what did you do in your career or now or continuously to identify and then align yourself with the values that you want to live? Well, it uh, it kind of comes back around to, I think, probably what we started talking about initially is I didn't do that. That was the problem. I didn't do it for about five years. And then I think over the last five years, I've been pretty lucky with some of the people I've been exposed to um, who kind of think at that level. So, you know, we had Leo Cullen leading in Leinster's with Stuart Lancaster, um, Charlie Higgins, who was my head of athletic performance in there, guys that are big on that and then big on mapping strategy onto that. Daniel Davey, who's, who's our nutritionist, somebody I speak to the whole time, also works with the Dubs. Very, very good on the non-scientific components of performance, right? The cultural components of performance. You know, so I would have picked up a lot of cool stuff, ideas, you know, and not necessarily have had it pieced together particularly coherently, but had my attention. It definitely had my attention. And what I've been doing then over the last three or four years is is trying to figure that out for myself. So, so what do these things mean? What do they mean within the context of the teams and the organizations that I've worked in? So things like what's your identity? Do you have a deep understanding of your identity? What does that mean for what your values are? Well, what does that mean for your values? If you dive deep into your values, it'll tell you where you want to get to. Really, that's the low resolution picture that I'm talking about. And then you backfill, you can backfill the strategy, you can backfill the behaviors, you can backfill the excellent consistent basics that, that we've been talking about. That, that was kind of how it worked for me. So I had a lot of these cool ideas that I was exposed to, but I hadn't maybe put them together in a 
coherent performance model that also brought together the scientific and technical side, or let's say the operational side. That's what I've been doing over the last couple of years. I've been trying to develop a performance model based on generic principles. So, you know, the further I get into this, the more strongly I believe that performance is leveraged really, high performance leveraged really on principles, principles that apply everywhere. So whether it be sports or business or whatever environment you want to put it into, and then the technical variables still on top of that. So in sports, it's, you know, speed, strength, skill execution, business, it's something else, you know, but that's what I've been working on. And lockdown was a gift actually for me for that, because it meant that I got to um, spend a few months, you know, sporting back longer than everyone else. Thank God. But uh, I got to spend a few months doing more or less, more or less nothing else, but putting this together. I was very lucky as well. I, I, was reached out to actually by a guy from a corporate background who's been working on me, working with me, I should say, for the last six or seven months as well, helping me to apply those ideas in a way that resonates more on that side. And it's just, it's it's something that's really grabbed my attention and that I've been unbelievably engaged in and has really helped me in making my own steps forward, as well as helping me to understand what I'm trying to do with players or with other people that I work with in different capacities to help them improve their performance. Just going to build on it further was um, funny you mentioning the principles there of high performance. And, you know, we started a recent passion project called the learning physiotherapist. And it's, it's based on the premise that, you know, as physios, as clinicians in undergrads, we're taught all the clinical stuff yeah, and you know, how to look at a knee and, how to diagnose whether you've ruptured an ACL, et cetera, et cetera. And then what does rehab and management look like? But what we have found, it's exposure to the soft skills, the, the real life skills that actually make a big difference, maybe keep you in a job, maybe keep you in an environment, maybe help you communicate in different languages. So it's funny you're mentioning that it's not always the technical stuff, although a lot of the time people starting their career nearly have an assumption that it's, it's technical expertise that makes such a huge difference, but really it's, it's the other stuff that's so important. So I just kind of wanted to add on that and, and maybe get your take on, on soft skills and, and for you, what would be the ones that you'd feel would be very important for someone starting their career or changing yeah. career? It's a good cool question. It's a good cool question. So, and it, it's a really good question, I think, particularly for uh, sports environments um, or guys that want to get into sort of high-performance coaching or, or that side of things. Like young coaches are really well-educated, but they're not that well-coached in terms of how are you going to handle your career? How does your career in elite sport, for example, map on to your overall trajectory through your career? Do you, do you know are you going to stay in elite sport forever? Do you have an exit strategy? If you're not, do you know how you're going to, do you know what chapters you need to have while you're here in order to, for you to make your next step? And I think, you know, a really good start for, from the point of view of soft skills would be for guys to understand, to really to understand themselves a little bit better. And have back again to that idea of that low resolution picture and then to strategize very much between those two in terms of your action steps. What's going to bring you from understanding to at least some degree who you are and what that means for what you want 
how are you going to strategize your action steps to that point? Because otherwise, you know, especially when you're junior in any organization, other people just tell you what to do. You won't have any framework with which to take control of your own pathway. And that's what performing is. It's managing your finite resources, your time and your energy into one direction and points towards somewhere that you want to go because it's only that direction that will sustain you in delivering consistency as opposed to that boom and bust that we talked about that, that I experienced because I hadn't done, hadn't done the groundwork. That's so interesting, Kidena. Like just a great elaboration really for, for our community on, on a point that the two of us here feel really is so important and often neglected. So thanks for that. So we've, we've heard a little bit about your, your story and the successes from an early age and kind of your, your background and DCU and so forth. I suppose a question has to be, what are you currently working on and what's next on your horizon? You've said the lockdown essentially has been a blessing in disguise for you. So what are the big things you're currently working on? The big thing for me over probably three years has been trying to develop a, a coherent model of performance based on principles. So that applies at individual level, applies at team level, incorporates some some technical principles if not technical detail and a lot of cultural identity value-based stuff as well i've been in some great environments to learn from that um my next step is i've been lucky enough to get the opportunity to take over the snc department of glasgow warriors so that's my chance to to take um, the leadership role in the department in a high performing organization um long term is well, it's like I say, it's low resolution, right? But I know that it's performance. I know that it's helping people in the organization to achieve goals that they want. And exactly how that plays out, I don't know, but I have my next steps. That's developing this model, elaborating it to be applicable broadly and delivering it. So that that's that's where I'm at. So look, as you, as you can probably tell from listening to me, um, it's early days, it needs work. But um, it's exciting. I'm engaged with it, and um, it is. Go- it seems to be going somewhere. There seems to be some momentum behind it. Well, the work is underway, and that's the that's the important part about it. I'd like to sidestep a little bit, like you do in the ring. I want to just talk about a bit what you do in the boxing space. And um, you have a bit of a flourishing career going on over the last little while. Tell well, us. Well, <laughs> what it was for us, I retired in January of this year. Um, Sad so, <laughs> so I um well I boxed amateur uh, when I was younger um and I suppose I did okay as an amateur without doing anything very spectacular I suppose both when it was probably 2015 2016 the opportunity to to turn professional came up so I was with my coach Steve O'Rourke who had been around for 10 years um, and he had a crew of guys that period of time, a guy called Tony Brown, who was like a high-level uh, amateur, um, his son Ryan, who was you know an infant really at the time when I when I started, but um, he's now twenty-two, I think, um, and then he had me, and I've been around for a bit longer. The gym was turning professional. There was a big promoter who come over, who had taken interest in Ireland as somewhere where it's a big culture of boxing and it's not exploited from the professional perspective at all. This guy basically offered was offering opportunities for people who had a reasonable background in amateur like of a reasonable level to make that step up. 
Um, and for me, you know, I was 28 at the time. You know, I knew I wasn't going to be a world champion, but I knew that this was going to be an unbelievable space to learn something about what it takes, about myself, about high-performance sport. You know, as I say, my interest in high-performance, everything comes from childhood. So it was unbelievably appealing to me, and, and that's um, that's what I did with it. Fortunately, it kind of got dead ended at the back end of, or sorry, yeah, probably the back end of last year, when uh, with a lot of kind of administrative messiness around professional boxing in this country. Um, so then, when lockdown came in, um, I had this idea that I wanted to move on to and develop this performance model, take it, take it out there. It kind of felt like this is the time to make that next step and to step away. So, you know, really value the experience that I had, really value that experience that I had with O'Rourke's boxing gym where, you know, that club went from amateur to professional. Like, you should check them out on social media now and see what they're doing. They've got seven or eight pros in there and that club is trucking. Those guys are fighting in America and fighting abroad regularly. So, so something's happening there. It's not going to be my journey, but it was really, really good to be a part of that, and, you know, with those three or four guys that have known for so many years. Killian, look, there's so much that we could take from what you've gone through um, experientially and looking for a bit of advice for the people listening that have just found the last year difficult, right? Now, everyone's been asked that sort of question, but even with what's going on in Ireland currently with you know uncertainty and what's going on with vaccines and all these sort of things, never mind the stuff you can't control. What would be the piece of advice that you would give to our community, to the two of us here, to to our parents, to our siblings, to our friends, that they could take away from what from what you might well know that can help them through these times, so that when times get a little bit better, it'll be all okay. Well, wow! Well, I suppose the big thing that, philosophy there for you, kidding. <laughs> the big thing that helped me, helped, and again, it's generic. Like it helps me. I don't mean to keep banging the same drum, but really, it, it's something that I've experienced and then seen work for other people uh, consistently. Is pointing the period at whatever it is that you want, and then taking action towards those things within that period. So, like that seems a little bit um, glib, right? But the question, I suppose, would be: Well, what do I want to get out of that? And you know, for me, it was: Well, I want to spend the time. What I've been given is a lot of time, so I want to spend that working on what I see as being my next step. So, having a purpose that is beyond my job, that is beyond lockdown, is beyond whatever's going on now, helped me to figure out what it is that I should do with this period. Right. The other thing, the other thing that you can't be overstated is just get your basics right. Eat well, sleep well, drink lots of water because those things change everything. They change how your body works, you know. They change how your mind works. You're we're on a, we're talking about high performance here. Like if you're somebody who sleeps poorly regularly um, and consistently, well, tidy that up and see what that'll do for you. It'll change your life if you're somebody who's getting three or four hours of sleep regularly. And if you can get that some kind of cadence into that, some kind of regular wake and sleep time and, and bump up the number of hours sleep that you're getting just by developing a routine around that, it'll change everything. It will change your mindset. It will change uh, how long you can work for. It will change how well you can work, how well you can concentrate, how well you can perform physically. So, yeah, I mean, some sort of overarching direction and then some 
quality uh, actions every day to accelerate that direction, I suppose, would be the way to categorize those. And get you to babysit my babies. And that would help to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but exactly. That's what I say. It seems a little bit delirium. People sit at home going, I'm homeschooling two kids and uh, one of them is two. So you're telling me to get more sleep. Thanks. <laughs> um, look, Killian, this has been really interesting. We always finish with a question, but to be honest, you kind of answered it. So we're going to ask a slightly different iteration of it. Okay. And I think it's good timing. So... You usually say, yeah, what is high performance? But what's the question that we're curious for you, Killian Reardon, is what's next for high performance? Well, actually, have, I'm glad you asked that question because I actually have a, I actually have an opinion on that and a recent conversation about it. So, so look at the trajectory. Let, let's say stick with sport, right? Because it's um, people really look at professional sport and admire it as being a high performance. And, and rugby's a great example, right? Because rugby went professional in uh, 1995, I think. So it's relatively young as a professional sport. Gaelic football is another good example because although it's not professional in name, you know, probably over the last 15 years, those guys have been training and competing as professionals, right? For, for all intents and purposes in terms of the, the level that they're at. Look at what happened in 1995, and this is only a personal opinion, with rugby. It became professional. It went from being a game that was played by very talented and skillful people to being a game that was played by very talented and skillful people who were backed by sports science and strength and conditioning and all the other ways that we resort to professionalism that you couldn't do in the amateur era during the 80s and early 90s, right? And what happened? It changed the sport. It changed the sport completely. The body shape of guys, the way the game was played, completely revolutionized over the next number of years that's gone now you like it's back to what we were saying before the ability of those strategies to revolutionize the game yes they'll evolve yes they'll incrementally creep it forward but that's not going to happen again not in the area of sports science i don't believe you're seeing it happen i've I've got a front seat to it in organizations like leinster the way that guys and you know jim galvin in dublin what he did there the way the guys are elevating performance to the next level is by going back and backfilling the cultural piece. So it's like it's like we spent a long period of time in the technical detail on top, the sports science stuff, stats and that kind of thing. And now it's like, well, where's the next level coming from? Um, and I think that's the cultural piece. What's the identity? What does that mean for your values? What does that mean for your behaviors? And how do those behaviors, those actions, that strategy bring you towards what you overall want to achieve? Team situation, do the guys understand that? Are they engaged with that? Are they linked to that? Is it deeply meaningful to the group? You know? And like everything, all the, the kind of buzzwords, identity, values, that kind of thing that I just said there would be something that if you were a team leader in a business or a, an organization or your chief executive or so like that, that's standard stuff, right? Or if you're in a, a high performing sports team now, that's really standard stuff. But we don't do it for ourselves. We don't. As individuals, do that well. It's like, how can, can I understand myself well, my own identity? What does that mean my values are? If I dive deep on those values, what does that tell me about what I really want? Okay, can I now strategize a pathway between one and the other? And that's the next step for high performance. You're seeing a play out of teams. I think it's the next step for high performance in individuals. You know, people talk about that stuff in organizations as being leadership. And I would say, well, lead yourself. Do it for yourself. Obviously, I'm sold on it because I went through that process and it helped me. But So I know it's incomplete, but it has something. Killian, um, 
you nearly took our breath away there. That was uh, really powerful, and we totally, totally agree with it. We'd like to say from the two of us here, thank you very much for giving us your time, your value, and so much more today. And looking forward to staying in touch. Please stay, stay fit, stay safe, and stay healthy, and speak to you soon. Thanks very much, David. Thanks very much, Kieran. Appreciate being invited on. Good talking to you. Cheers, Kieran. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, a story of high performance. This was brought to you by Howora, a whole person wellbeing company founded and run from Dublin, Ireland. Find out more at howoralife.com, spelt H-A-U-O-R-A life.com. Please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan.